This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is episode 16. Today, we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's story. When we last left Norm and Norma, Norm had woken up from a nightmare and a cold sweat and an achy back with the mere thought of moving 10 times to utilize the Nomad real estate investing strategy. Surely, there must be a way of getting the benefits of nomading like the zero or small down payments or the significantly better owner-occupant interest rate without having to move into each property and live there for a year. Well, there is sort of a way. In order to get the better owner-occupant financing, someone does need to be the owner-occupant, but it technically does not need to be you. For example, if Norm and Norma had college-age kids, they could buy a property for each kid to live in each year as they go to college. A kid going to college for four years could mean they could buy four properties, one per year for each year. If they have two kids, they could acquire eight properties total. Kids getting advanced degrees, they can get even more properties. When someone else is moving in on your behalf when nomading, we call this nomad by proxy. So, if that were a possibility for Norman Norma, which it isn't since they're just out of college themselves with no college-age kids of their own, they could avoid moving into the properties themselves. But, There are other variations of Nomad by Proxy that might be a possibility for them. For example, Norma's parents, who are divorced, would be willing to move into properties. Now, Norm, Norma, and her parents would need to connect with their lender and work out how to structure these. It usually requires that Norm, Norma, and the parent moving into the property all be on the title to the property. And they'd also want to figure out who is responsible for down payment, how is ownership defined, and what happens when one or more of them dies. Basically, everything you need to negotiate in a partnership. To keep things simple, considering this strategy in this episode, we're going to assume that Norm and Norma provide all the down payment and that they need to qualify for the loan with just their income and debt-to-income calculations. We also assume that because they paid all the down payment and qualified, they end up working out with Norma's parents that they will ultimately own 100% of the property. Now remember, Norm and Norma aren't moving into the properties themselves. Norma's parents are. They're divorced, so each one could move into five properties over however long it takes for them to qualify to buy the 10 properties. They could alternate which one nomads next. And since there is two of them, technically they can buy two in one year, provided that they have the down payment, the closing costs, the income, and the debt to income to be able to qualify to buy two. If you really step back and think about it, with enough other people to move into properties for you, Nomad by Proxy can look like they're investing in rental properties with putting just 5% down. They even get to rent the properties out in the first year to whoever is living in the property. In this case, Norma's parents are paying what looks like rent to help cover the cost to own the property. The reality of implementing it is much messier, though. They'll need to negotiate the terms of the partnership aspect of having someone co-purchase properties with them, which we cover in more detail in the Nomad by Proxy class. Back to this episode. 
So how does Norm and Norma doing Nomad by Proxy impact their ability to achieve financial independence? It turns out that by having Norma's parents move instead of Norm and Norma, they achieve financial independence a little less than 2.5 years faster. Instead of it taking 26.5 years to do traditional Nomad, where they move in themselves, by having Norma's parents move in, they're able to be financially independent in 24.08 years instead. Part of what allows them to be financially independent faster is that they buy properties a little faster. After the first property, which takes the same amount of time regardless of which strategy they're using, they end up buying each property after the first one consistently a little tiny bit faster. One of the reasons they're able to buy the properties a little faster is that they're continuing to rent themselves. That means they're saving a little bit more each month when nomading by proxy. Additionally, living in a rental with slightly lower rent than what they'd be paying on a mortgage if they bought a property to live in also means their debt to income is slightly better. Buying properties faster also gives them a higher overall net worth. Of course, if they had to pay their proxy a fee or reduce rent or some other benefit, some of this additional net worth would disappear. However, since it's Norma's parents, and they're okay to do it without compensation to them, in this unusually simplified example, they end up with over $80 million in net worth by year 60, compared to about $67.5 million as a traditional nomad. That's an inflated future dollars. If we adjust back to today's dollars, it's more like a difference of $2 million. Still significant, in my opinion. Instead of $13.6 million when they nomad by proxy, they'd have a net worth of only $11.5 as a traditional nomad. Now, I emphasize only because I question, when did creating a net worth of $11.5 million on a combined income of $72,000 per year not become a huge victory? How does doing Nomad by Proxy impact their standard of living? Well, instead of living in a home they own, they're still renting. But otherwise, by month 318, when they achieved financial independence with traditional Nomad, they'd be able to sustain a 25% higher standard of living by doing Nomad by Proxy instead. Instead of living on about $5,000 per month, they could be living on about $6,250 per month in today's dollars. But what about measuring risk, like rent resiliency? In other words, how much can rent drop before they have negative cash flow? Well, at first, it is slightly riskier to do Nomad by Proxy. But that's because with traditional Nomad, they live in the property for at least a year before it gets converted to a rental. So they have at least a year to let rents creep up, and that means that they're slightly less likely to have negative cash flow. However, because they acquire rentals a little faster, Eventually, they have more rentals and more positive cash flow sooner, and that slightly improves their rent resiliency with Nomad by Proxy in terms of dollars. In terms of what percent rents can decline before they have negative cash flow, what we call rent resiliency percent, traditional Nomad is typically less risky. By renting properties the first year to Norma's parents means that they have more negative cash flow. Compare that to living in the property for the first year with traditional nomading, where they get to wait at least a year for rents to improve slightly before they convert an owner-occupant property to a rental. That helps to eliminate some of the negative cash flow. And the difference in negative cash flow adds up. They end up having almost $117,000 in negative cash flow when doing nomad by proxy, 
compared to just over $10,000 with traditional Nomad. Now, I do need to point out that with Nomad by proxy, we're talking about 10 rentals versus just nine rentals with traditional Nomad. That's because with traditional Nomad, for this particular set of modeling assumptions, they continue to live in the 10th property they bought. Of course, if Norm and Norma really wanted to do 10 rentals when doing the traditional Nomad strategy, we could change the modeling to have them buy 11 properties, 10 rentals and one to live in. We just didn't do it that way a couple episodes ago. If that negative $116,000 in negative cash flow scares you, realize that's ignoring the tax benefits of depreciation. If we take into account cash flow from depreciation as well, when we calculate cash flow, we call that true cash flow. The total cumulative negative true cash flow for all rental properties is less than $12,000 when doing Nomad by proxy. And there is zero negative true cash flow for doing traditional Nomad. For Nomad by proxy, Norm and Norma invested a total of just under $530,000, including $116,000 in negative cash flow. Compare that to just under $365,000 total invested, including any negative cash flow, if they did traditional Nomad. This includes down payments, closing costs, and the negative cash flow, as we mentioned. If we look at a couple other of my favorite ways to measure risk, you can see that Nomad by proxy is ever so slightly less risky than traditional Nomad. The risk is reduced even more when we measure debt-to-liquid net worth, what we call debt-to-account balances. But what about reserves? Well, they need to have more in reserves when they buy more property sooner. But they end up having more months of reserves when nomading by proxy than when doing traditional nomad in our modeling. In conclusion, if Norm and Norma can convince Norma's parents to separately move into a property while they provide the down payment and qualify for the loan and pay rent to Norm and Norma while they live there and agree to turn 100% ownership of the property over to them, then that works out in their favor. They can achieve financial independence faster than traditional Nomad where Norm and Norma moved into the property for at least a year themselves. Nomad by proxy does produce more negative cash flow. However, if you also consider cash flow from depreciation, it's a reasonable amount, less than $12,000 total for all 10 rental properties. Nomad by proxy seems to be more susceptible to declines in rent, but otherwise appears to be overall less risky in a couple key measures of risk. Norman Norma reviews some of the previous real estate investing strategies that they considered to this point and realized that doing short-term rentals was a pretty good strategy. They wonder what the impact of combining Nomad with short-term rentals might be. Could they do Nomad to acquire properties with very attractive owner-occupant financing with great rates and low down payments, and once they fulfilled their occupancy requirements after at least a year, they could convert the properties to short-term rentals instead of converting them to long-term rentals? They wonder how that might impact their ability to achieve financial independence. Well, we'll find out in the next episode. Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rate, variable stock market rates of return, all impacts Norm and Norma as they nomad by proxy. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode about Norm and Norma utilizing Norma's parents to nomad by proxy with them. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. 
you can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.